0: Hank Aaron, Rod Carew, Reggie Jackson, Joe Morgan, Willie's, Mays, McCovey, Stargell, Ricky, Jr., Gwyn, and Ozzie, Eddie Murray, and Barry Bonds. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. Fly ball right field. She is gone. Let's have a little trivia. What do the names that I just listed in the introduction have in common? First of all, Each one of them was a member of the All-Century team announced at the 1999 All-Star Game at Fenway Park. Now, I grew up watching the first names I listed, had the privilege of playing against the second set of names, and had the honor of being teammates with Eddie Murray and Barry Bonds. Something else all these men have in common is a tremendous indebtedness to Jackie Robinson. For he opened the door. He paved the way for all of those men to have the opportunity to play Major League Baseball. This past Friday, April the 15th, Major League Baseball celebrated the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson integrating the Major Leagues. And that 1999 All-Century team had over 20% of that team comprised of black players and the black player was only allowed to play the second half of the 20th century. Jackie Robinson, in 1947, opened that door. Now, of course, credit has to be given to more than just Jackie Robinson, in particular to Rachel Robinson, his wife, and Branch Rickey, but also many others, some of whom we know very well, some we have no idea about. Like I said last week, For everybody that we see who is successful, that is famous, that has impact, there have been people in their lives who have contributed greatly to them that we don't know about. But all that being said, all the credit rightfully given to others, it was Jackie who was the tip of the spear. It was Jackie who the Lord God Almighty prepared for the battle and granted victory. It was Jackie who had to endure things that I cannot even imagine, and most people cannot even imagine. Jackie Robinson was truly one man who stood apart. About a week ago or so, my family and I watched 42 again. I think it's about the fourth or fifth time that I've watched it. And each time, there's a scene that I just can't get through without losing it. And it's the scene when Ben Chapman the manager for the Phillies, is spewing out vile and hatred straight from the pit of hell as Jackie Robinson is in the batter's box. And Jackie takes it. He wears it. He doesn't fight back. But then he goes into the tunnel and just loses it. That scene just gets me. And I don't know how many more times I'll watch the movie in my life, but I don't think I'll ever get over that scene. Speaking of that movie, the movie 42, here's another trivia question. What was the first line spoken in that movie by Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford played Branch Rickey. Do you know the first words in that movie from Branch Rickey? Here's what they are.
1: Gentlemen, I have a plan.
0: Gentlemen, I have a plan. And Branch Rickey most certainly did. He spoke those words in the spring of 1945. No doubt he had a plan. No doubt he had counted the cost of that plan. Branch Rickey knew what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it in the spring of 1945, but he didn't know who would be the man, who was going to be the man who he would choose to bring into baseball and to use to break the color barrier. Branch Rickey had a plan. Way before Branch Rickey, God Almighty had a plan. And he worked out the details of that plan to perfection, long before Branch Rickey ever knew who Jackie Robinson was. And I heard a great story just about a week ago told by Bob Kendrick. He is the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And he tells a story of some events that took place prior to Branch Rickey having any clue who Jackie Robinson was.
1: In 1942, during World War II, Jackie Robinson was drafted and assigned to a segregated Army Cavalry at Little Fort Riley, Kansas, right up the road from the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Ironically, two of the most legendary sports figures in American sports history were both stationed at Fort Riley, Jackie Robinson and Joe Lewis. Yes, the heavyweight champion of the world, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis at that time was the star because again, to be the world's fastest man or the heavyweight champion of the world, were the two most prestigious sports titles that you could hold in this country. Jackie Robinson, who certainly, along with other African-Americans, had the qualifications to be an officer, but Fort Riley was not admitting blacks into his officer school program. And so there was some protest. Some of that protest was led by Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis, who had done exhibition prize fights to help raise money for the military, would call in some favors and helped his friend Jackie Robinson get into officer school. Jackie would then be transferred over to Fort Hood in Texas. Hilton Smith, who was from Giddings, Texas, a star pitcher for the Kansas City Monarchs, had seen Jackie Robinson playing while he was stationed in the military. And he had already prior recommended Jackie Robinson to the Monarchs owner, James Leslie Wilkinson. Well, in 1945, Jackie Robinson writes to Wilkie and again asks for a tryout. They try Jackie out in uh, Houston, Texas, and Jackie makes the team. And little did J.L. Wilkinson know that he had just signed a man that was going to put him out of business.
0: Little did he know, indeed, the Kansas City Monarchs and the Negro Leagues would, after the black players' integrated Major League Baseball, end up being shut down. But you see how God in his providence was working so many things in so many ways and working them out to set up the situation for Branch Rickey to find Jackie Robinson. Now again, that was Bob Kendrick telling that story. He's the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. But I want to recommend, he does a podcast called Black Diamonds Podcast. I cannot recommend it highly enough to you. There are wonderful stories, and he is an exceptional storyteller. But as we can see, Jackie was helped by many, long before he ever signed a professional baseball contract, let alone before he became a Brooklyn Dodger. He was helped by many people as well. He was helped early in life. He was helped in the Army. He was helped in baseball and throughout his life. But no one, no one helped him like his wife, Rachel. Several years after the debut, April 15th, 1947, Rachel Robinson talked about what happened that day. It was a cold day. It was a big crowd in brooklyn the fans were always on jack's side so he got a very rousing ovation you might say i was worried about how he would perform under pressure no one knew how he was going to perform even though he was a great athlete and when jack scored that winning run i was excited to go down to meet him and to hug him and tell him how proud i was of him We had gone to such lengths to suppress our anxiety about that day that when
1: we got to the ballpark and it was a reality, we knew that we were a part of something in a permanent way.
0: They most certainly were. Just as our Heavenly Father raised up, prepared, and granted victory through Jackie Robinson, the Lord raised up Rachel, who would be the epitome of a helpmeet to her husband. It is not good for man to be alone. And Branch Ricky recognized the importance of Rachel as well, and the situation with Jackie, as Rachel was the only wife that Branch Ricky allowed in spring training. And Rachel was with Jackie throughout his life, side by side, every step of the way. Last week, I was listening to a Starkville podcast, and it was Doug Glanville interviewing Eduardo Perez. And they talked about a lot of subjects, but they spoke about a trip that they, both of them were on in 2016 to Cuba, a very special baseball trip. Well, also on that trip was Rachel Robinson. And Doug Glanville passes along this story.
1: I do this one-on-one with Rachel Robinson and her question, you know, mind-blowing. And then I have lunch with her for like an hour and i just i couldn't my mind was exploding like i'm sitting with rachel robinson right now one-on-one just talking about kids and and she was so gracious and so insightful and so sharp At at like then i don't know 95 or something like that and uh and i had this honor of just escorting her back to her room and and i was just like you know just unbelievable this this convergence right of all these elements that you know were really emotional so
0: That kind of respect and honor for Rachel Robinson, that it was expressed there by Doug Glanville, is commonplace, and rightfully so. I remember a story. There's a man named Paul Reddick who has worked in baseball in multiple capacities and at one time did work for Yogi Berra. And I was somewhere where Paul Reddick was speaking. This is about eh, three or four or five years ago. And he tells this story. He said, Yogi Berra and Rachel Robinson were very good friends. They delighted in one another. He said, but when they would see each other, they wouldn't say hi. They wouldn't give a hug. They wouldn't ask how things were going. The very first thing that would come out of their mouths would be this. Yogi would say, out. And Rachel would respond, safe. That's a great story. It goes back to the 1955 World Series, the World Series the Dodgers won. Game one, where Jackie Robinson steals home. The umpire calls him safe, And Yogi Berra, who was the catcher, goes absolutely ballistic, saying, no, he was out, he was out. Rachel has been continuing, even to this day, to continue Jackie's legacy. And she was with him through it all, when he broke in, through his time in the major leagues, and until he died. So many things happened to him, and to them, during his 10-year playing career. And of course, much of that career was filled with hatred filled with people wanting to see him and them not succeed. Actually, to see his demise. But there were also enjoyable experiences. And it's amazing to consider the kind of career that Jackie Robinson had on the field with all of the things he had to deal with both on and off the field. He was the 1947 National League Rookie of the Year. He was the 1949 National League Rookie. Most valuable player. Six times he was an all-star in his 10 seasons. 10 seasons with the Dodgers, they won the NL pennant six times. And they won the 1955 World Series. Jackie had a 311 lifetime batting average. I think about that 55 World Series. Back when I was in junior high, I had the 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers as my stratomatic team. So a lot of good things happened. A lot of things happened while he was playing, including the year he won the most valuable player in the National League, this song.
1: Can't you see
0: Jackie Robinson hit that ball? That song written for Jackie Robinson, or about Jackie Robinson, probably both, in 1949. In 1950, a film came out, The Jackie Robinson Story. And Jackie Robinson played himself in that movie. So he's doing all of this while having a Hall of Fame playing career. He played through the end of the 1956 season, 10 seasons with the Dodgers. On December 13, 1956, he was traded to the New York Giants. And hours later, Jackie Robinson announced his retirement. Five years later, he would be elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. It was 1962. Here are the closing words of his speech in that induction ceremony in 1962
1: I want to thank all of the people throughout this country who
0: were just so wonderful during those trying days I appreciate it no end it's the greatest honor any person could have and I only hope that I'll be able to live up to this tremendously
1: fine honor it's it's something that I think those of us who are fortunate again must use in order to help others I'm just grateful I'm sorry it's taking so long but I just
0: wanted you to it. I appreciate it so much thank you Jackie Robinson certainly did help others, not only during his playing career, not only with that speech in 1962, but for the remainder of his life. He wrote an autobiography, obviously many books written about him, but he wrote one in 1972 titled, I Never Had It Made. And Jackie Robinson was an active and outspoken person in Major League Baseball, the civil rights movement, politics, and culture. And he was so until the day of his death. He died on October 24th, 1972 in Stamford, Connecticut. Because he was born in 1919, January 31st, actually, he was just shy of his 54th birthday when he died. His legacy lives on to this day. And as I mentioned, Rachel still promoting that legacy. And she is set to celebrate her 100th birthday on July 19th of this year. Now, Jackie Robinson Day has been celebrated each year in Major League Baseball since 2004. It was 1997 that the entire sport retired number 42. Now, it was grandfathered in, so people that had 42 at that time continued to wear it until their careers ended. And the last person to do so was Mariano Rivera. Once he retired, now no one wears number 42. Well, that is except on April 15th every year when everyone wears number 42. It was in 2007 that Ken Griffey Jr. had the idea of wearing number 42 on April the 15th. He called both the commissioner, at that time Bud Selig, and Rachel Robinson saying, do you care? Is it okay if I do this? And then in 2009, it became the tradition for players and coaches to all wear number 42. No names on the back of the jerseys all wearing the same number, number 42. And last Friday, Major League Baseball and our nation celebrated the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson integrating baseball. The Major League Baseball Network paid tribute throughout the day in the middle of Times Square. And here are five baseball greats honoring Jackie Robinson. You're going to hear the voices of Ken Griffey Jr., Willie Randolph, Joe Torre, C.C. Sabathia, and then finally, Mariano Rivera.
1: I wanted to wear it to honor that man because of the sacrifices that he he had and what he did. If it wasn't
0: for him, maybe my dad would have never played. Um, Maybe I would have never played. But he went through things that I can't imagine what he's gone through. I don't have to go through that because that man did it for us. And he did it for this country. He did it for each and every one of us to allow us to go out there and play the game that we love. For me to be standing here right now and to be part of this great ceremony in this day, I'm getting goosebumps because, you know, I'm a living dream. I look at these kids and they don't really think that they can make it. You're looking at a person who thought the same way at one time. But I'm standing here right now as former camper of the Yankees, managed New York Mets, and, and was proud to be on the same field with Rachel Robinson when we presented the 42 at Shea Stadium as a manager. He had a presence. He had a presence. He'd light up a room. Uh, he stood for more than baseball, obviously. And, you know, our society right now should,
1: should embrace that. And, and just follow the example that Jackie gave us to follow. Somebody asked me this morning, could I um, put myself in Jackie's shoes or think about what, what he was thinking when he crossed the color barrier, you know, 75 years ago, and I can't, you know, I'm just blessed that he was able to and, and uh, you know, for me to be able to live out my dream. So incredibly strong man, and, and I owe everything to him because I wouldn't be able to live out my dream if it wasn't for him. And me being the last player to wear number 42, it was more as a challenge. It was a privilege. And uh, I just wanted to bring his legacy to a different level. I wanted to be, I wanted to, I want Mr. Jackie Robinson to be proud of me.
0: It was a great day on Friday, the 75th anniversary. I hope it's not lost on you that Friday, April the 15th, 2022, was also Good Friday. I don't know if it was lost on all of those that participated or not. Obviously, everything that has been said or was said on Friday was not recorded, and even all that was recorded, I don't have the ability to listen to at all. But I was hoping somebody would make the connection. As they talked about Jackie Robinson being willing to sacrifice, being willing to suffer in order to help others, in order to pave the way for others, that somebody would recognize, especially because Jackie was a very faithful Christian man, that Jackie was imitating the Lord Jesus Christ. And on Good Friday, how Christ suffered the wrath of God in our place, how he opened the way to salvation, and how he secured and guaranteed the salvation for all for whom he died but i didn't hear anybody make that connection i hope somebody did earlier in this episode i made a reference to a scriptural passage and now i want to quote it because the passage makes me think so much about jackie robinson and what took place it's proverbs 21:31 the horse is prepared for the day of battle but victory belongs to the lord It's a great text about man's responsibility and God's sovereignty. And it is also a text about God's sovereignty as it regards man's responsibility. God is the the one who not only grants the victory, but allows anyone to be prepared for the day of battle. Jackie Robinson was prepared, and he recognized that God had prepared him and he recognized that God granted him the victory. I also came across a couple of quotes from very faithful preachers in the last week or two that I thought about Jackie Robinson when I read them as well. First by John MacArthur, The one thing a lying culture cannot tolerate is the truth. The other by vody Persecution can be avoided. All you have to do is compromise. Jackie Robinson couldn't be tolerated by so many people because they were liars and he was a truth teller. And he refused to compromise. And because of that, he endured tremendous persecution. I came across an article. It was on Yahoo.com the day before the celebration. So it was April the 14th. It's written by a man named Peter Dreher. And the title was, Jackie Robinson Was a Radical. Don't listen to the sanitized version of history. Now, I'm not exactly sure where the author wanted to take this, but he had some good things to say. Here's a few of those. He wrote, But none took as many risks and had as big an impact as Jackie Robinson. Though Robinson was a fierce competitor, an outstanding athlete, and a deeply religious man, the aspect of his legacy that often gets glossed over is that he was also a radical. Many sports writers, and most other players, including some of his fellow black players, balked at the way Robinson talked about race. They thought he was too angry, too vocal. I'll insert some editorial comment here. I bet you they didn't like his tone. Let's go back to the article. The Sporting News headlined one story, Robinson Should Be a Player not a crusader. Other writers and players called him a loudmouth and a sorehead and worse. That doesn't surprise me at all, that even those that maybe were rooting for him thought he was going a little bit too far, a little too extreme, a little too radical. But it does make me think of some questions. Major League Baseball, on our culture, as we celebrate the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson integrating baseball, do we simply look back? Are we simply nostalgic? Is each year just remembering what had taken place long ago and being grateful for it? I have more questions. Worse yet, are we, Major League Baseball, our nation, trying to use Jackie Robinson to promote things in 2022 that he would never have considered promoting, never would have considered standing up for. Major League Baseball and all of us ought to be moving forward, building on what Jackie began to do and what he stood for in his day. And he makes it clear. Here are the words of Jackie Robinson. I believe in man's integrity. I believe in the goodness of a free society, and I believe that the society can remain good only as long as we are willing to fight for it, and to fight against whatever imperfections may exist. My fight was against the barriers that kept Negroes out of baseball. This was the area where I found imperfection, and where I was best able to fight." And I fought, because I knew it was not doomed to be a losing fight. It couldn't be a losing fight, not when it took place in a free society. And in the largest sense, I believe that what I did was done for me, that it was my faith in God that sustained me in my fight, and that what was done for me must and will be done for others." Those are the words of Jackie Robinson. And consider those words from Jackie Robinson and these words, which I read back in March on NBCnews.com. Opinion. We should be celebrating Leah Thomas like we did Jackie Robinson. Well, first of all, it's William Thomas. But I saw a response from a pastor his handle on Twitter is at Ken underscore 1689. So you know where he's coming from theologically. He wrote this. Don't disrespect and hijack Jackie Robinson's legacy by comparing his heroic accomplishments as a man who broke the color barrier in baseball with Leah, who is a man, competing against women. I couldn't agree more. I am convinced that if Jackie were alive today, he would agree with the words of that pastor as well. What he did, along with Branch Ricky, along with Rachel, his wife, along with many others, including those we don't know, what Jackie Robinson did was true and good and beautiful. He engaged in a battle over right and wrong, good and evil, the kingdom of Christ Jesus and the vain strivings of rulers and nations to compare what jackie did to a man who refuses to recognize who he is and who who adds to that wickedness by dishonoring women and robbing them of their hard-earned opportunity to compete in a sport they've likely spent many years training for to compare jackie robinson to a man like that is ridiculous it's a disgrace and most of all it's an abomination in the eyes of our triune God, it is truly impossible to celebrate the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson integrating Major League Baseball properly while at the same time celebrating William Thomas pretending like he's a she and competing against women. But here's the rub from my perspective, It appears Major League Baseball is vainly attempting to do both. Yes, I realize those are fighting words. So I ask, are you prepared for the battle? But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Thank you for listening.